Uh, welcome everybody to episode 46. I'm here with Durf Turf Toe, aka Jamal, and Jamal only currently for this part of the episode. Um, I can give the recap, I guess. I'll give you a recap because you're not real sure at this moment what's going on with the other dudes. Uh, and we haven't recorded together for a while. So what happened last time, as far as you know, in episode 44, I believe, is that you guys beat this plant monster near the river. Um, you were headed towards the waterfall. You met Kurt, this goblin you hopped on his snail home and he was going to kind of take you through the forest with a quick pit stop at an unseely camp before heading towards the waterfall. When out of the blue, this fog crept around, this mist started creeping around the snail. And in these in this mist were these ethereal hands that were kind of reaching out and grabbing at you. And you and Tug were out on the on the decking of this snail and you guys were fighting back and you did something to save tug. You erupted earth all around and the mist was, was pushed back. But in that process, it reached out for you for an attack and it grabbed you and pulled you in. And you were transported to some other place in the Feywild where you came to and you saw this, this valley before you where you saw all sorts of Fey beings that you have summoned or haven't summoned just all sorts of um, interesting fey creatures and you crept down into the valley and you saw this buck this golden buck that you met at the very beginning of the adventure this arc and then moonbeams came just bam 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 right in front of you to the left and the right you um saved the buck from this this trap that it was it was caught in some vines you climbed on top and you guys swerved in and out of the moonbeams until one finally hit it and you came skidding to a halt underneath some cover where the moonbeams passed over and in that moment you saw this figure change shape into your father and he reached yeah and he reached into uh reached and grabbed your face and that's when you recognize him eye to eye. Uh, the person that you are crouched down staring at currently in this moment is uh, what you can remember to be your dad. Cool. Correct. Very cool. So you are there in this moment. And I want you just to uh, give me a general perception check just to start this whole shebang shebang off. Yeah. 12. 12? Um, okay. You, uh, I don't think, I don't think with a 12, that's not very good. I think with a 12, um, yeah, I mean, you just see your dad. You see this guy. You see this this dad figure. You kind of remember him from maybe, maybe not your childhood, but at least the memory that you saw in the Arcane Tower with, with the Archmage. Um, you remember that vision, and you clearly recognize this person as the father figure that was in that vision. And is he conscious? Yeah, he's conscious. He he, he is kind of getting to his feet after he touched your face. Um, hi. <laughs> uh, hello. How? Hi. He stands up and he kind of brushes his his uh, his pants off. He's got this big tan cloak with the hood pulled back. Um bright blonde hair tied up in like a ponytail wrapped in several places 
and uh, he's got these brown boots, a buckle with a big green leaf on it. He looks the part of an elf slash druid uh, by all means. And he says, Durf, son, is that is it really you? Well, yeah, okay. This is weird. <laughs> son, uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. I. It has to be you. 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 You look no different than when you were just a babe. You're quite a bit taller. Say something to prove you're not some kind of spooky monster. What? What? What can I say? What can I say? We lived. I don't even know why you're here. We lived in Woodhaven. We lived in a tree. Your your mother. I haven't seen you or your mother in years. You. What are you? In your twenties now? Well, yeah. I mean, that was your call. A, as far as I know, uh, and B, come on, you have to know how old I am. I, I swear I've, I've been in this damn place for, God, it feels like a century. I don't actually know how old I am either. It's cool. <laughs> you say that in character? No, I don't care. You're in your 20s. You're in your mid-20s. I think I said at the very beginning, you guys are like, you know, out of college, age. Well, actually, I guess... Mm, I, so I probably totally fucked that up because you're an elf, so you actually should be like 80 years old, not 20. <laughs> but uh, in human years, yeah, you're about that. Cool, cool. Um, well, well, hold on. Isn't isn't my dad the human half? Um, you tell me. Was he? Yeah, because you yeah, were half elf. Okay. An elf. All right, that's yeah. fine. So he's a human druid. Yep, that's my bad. Sure. Um. Okay. So well. All right. I cat put here by spooky hands came out of the ground and grabbed me and yanked me down here and it was is a whole thing i did there were we were looking for some MacGuffins. we found a bunch of them it's a long story but more importantly what's your deal okay wait 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 MacGuffins, scoops creepy hands i'm just so i'm so astounded you're you're actually here did you you came looking for me then um would like to say yes, but no. I didn't know where you were. I haven't known where you have been what? for uh, the last my entire life. Where? What? Your mother? She? She must have told you about me. You? She didn't tell you about me. What did? What? Uh, I mean, specifically, what? What? What is she supposed Just to tell that you? I existed. I'm your. I'm your father. Oh, when we get out of here, I'm going to have some words for her. Well, I mean, you were gone. You were gone. What do you mean, gone? You were not there. Well, of course. I, I, we, I was taken away. We, uh, I, I feel like it was so long ago, a century, just years and years ago, I, I landed in this place, and I, I was with Carl, and I was with Bosco. Do, do you know their sons, Tug and Carl? You could say that. Well, anyway, we we came here all together, and we've been we've been lost in this forest. I I got split up with them shortly after we arrived, and I've been I've been looking for them ever since. Gosh, it, gosh, it feels like it's been so long, but I I don't know. This place is this place is a nightmare, Durf. But you you I can't believe you're here right in front of me. I, I, tell me, how's your mother? How how is home? How did you get here? Oh boy. You you might want to sit down for this part. Oh, okay. And there's a there's a stump nearby, and he, he sits. 
you might you might want to be prepared to roll like a uh an emotions check. <laughs> I actually didn't get my dice out yet. Hang on. It's gonna be a tough one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what what happened? What what so, are you talking about? As far as mom goes and Woodhaven goes, um, in addition to several other towns and cities of um, various sizes, uh, sort of like everyone... Spit it out, son. Like, died. What? Died uh, in, uh, like, there's a, there's a mage, an evil mage, and he did some stuff, and... Uh, everybody's sort of these ravening zombies and uh, basically everyone I know except for Tug and Carl are dead. What the fuck? What? He kind of puts his hands up to his forehead and he's like, how long have I, have I been here? That's, you mean your mother? She's Woodhaven. They're all gone. Well, I haven't seen them. Uh, we escaped. Uh, but, uh, that seems to be the situation. Yep. And he sits there. And soon to be, uh, the world. The whole world. And so you are here trying to remedy that? How, how, what is, how does this place come into the (sighs) Well, we sort of came here on accident. Um, our friend Carl was having a day. Uh, Um, uh, much like his father, huh? Yeah, yeah. So he jumped down a well, uh, which we followed him down, which put us in the upside down. Uh, and we were traveling through the upside down, and I got grabbed by some hands that came out of the ground. And they pulled me down here. This, these hands, I've, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, can, can I ask you a question out of character, which we can me, leave in yeah, the episode sure. or not? Yes, yeah, sir. Sure. I'm trying to remember. It's been a minute since the flashback episode to our. Didn't our dads like die? Do I like suspect he's dead? No, this is good. I think I'll keep this in here because people might forget. You definitely saw in the vision that the Archmage show you your dad die. You saw him on the bed, gray, the marks on his hands, the Archmage standing over him, kind of holding him down as he convulsed, and then this like black mist come out of his body and him fall limp. Like you 100%. Based on the vision that the Archmage showed you, thought your dad was dead. 100%. Okay, that's what I thought. Yes. That's what I thought. 100%. Okay. So, okay, back in character. So, speaking of people who are important to you who are probably dead, um, I thought, and I'm still kind of 50-50 given the whole weird circumstances of this uh, meeting, I thought you were dead. I was pretty sure you were dead. Uh, the Archmage, you might remember him, your pal, showed us a vision in which you um, perished. So, like, what? what's your deal? I, I keep asking that. I feel like I haven't gotten a very satisfactory answer yet. The Archmage, yeah. Ezra, Ezra, our friend, the Archmage. He became the Archmage of the Arcane Tower. He, I, That's the last thing I truly remember before I woke up here. I remember laying on a bed and I remember the Archmage whispering words to me and I, I remember feeling this this strange power come over me and then I fell into a deep deep sleep and and then I woke up here with Carl and 
with Bosco. And we were together. Am I dead? I, no, no, I don't think so. No, I, I hope not. I hope not. This is not some place. Well, me in, too. I also hope that I'm but, not dead. You know, Durf, this is so interesting that you're here. And uh, first of all, I, this is terrible news to hear about Woodhaven. You know, if, if you're correct, then I hope there's a way we can reverse it. But, you know, when, over the past few days, I've been feeling this this pull towards this one part of the forest. I've seen it. I've climbed trees and and climbed over hills to see this waterfall in the distance. And I've just felt a, a pull towards it. And, you know, the past week, two weeks, months, just recently, I've been... There's been strange things. I've been falling asleep and waking up in different places or falling unconscious, feeling lightheaded and and just collapsing out of nowhere, but always feeling this draw towards the waterfall. It, perhaps you being here has something to do with that. Yeah. Well, so wait, can we see the waterfall from here? Um, No, you can't. Not from where, like, not from where you are standing currently, underneath the cover of the trees. Durf is contemplating the possibility that the well that they all jumped into was not a portal to the upside down, but rather just a regular well, and they all just died from jumping down the well. <laughs> <laughs> You're just contemplating that, all right? It's possible. Um, cool. Well, um, Durf, where where are your Friends, where where are Tug and Carl? Did they make it down here with you? You said that they right? were uh, they were riding a snail, so they're here. Yeah, do they you did think not, they didn't get grabbed by the spooky hands? So it's just a they're 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 somewhere this, else. Now. This has to be connected. Perhaps the the familial effect of of you you three coming to this forest may bring us three together again. I I I feel like. I, we need to complete this journey to the waterfall. Well, you know, uh, lots of weird shit has happened on this trip. I don't want to get into all of it, but like... Uh, yeah, I'm standing in front of my son. Things that seemed very cool turned out to be very bad. Um, lots of very dangerous stuff. Lots of people getting killed. It's just... Uh, I saw you die, and yet here you are, standing in front of me. It's very strange. It's very strange. Uh, so I'm having a lot of trust issues kind of flowing through me right now. He kind um, of like sits back on the stump, and he just shakes his head, and he says, "What? What can I do to to show you I'm I'm real? I'm 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 here. I'm your I'm your dad." I I know. I know. And I believe that maybe you believe that, and perhaps you could be right. Give me another. Uh, give me another perception check, real quick, or investigation. Perceptions at twenty four. Oh shit! Okay, so you recognize immediately um, that you didn't see before when you first looked at him, but now that he's sitting there, kind of shaking his head. Um, and you get a good look at him. You look him over, just kind of like re obviously reluctant, but seeing who this dude is, you it's clearly your father, but you recognize something um, that sparks in your memory. And you realize that this person, this figure that's in front of you, is not a single day older than the vision that you saw the Archmage show you. And according to that vision, you were a baby. So... 
you know, fast forward 20 or so or however many years later, you would expect him to be much older. But he is exactly the same as you saw him in the vision. Not a day older. Hey, so let me ask you this. What, how long have you been down here, in your opinion? I, I have, I've lived here. I've, I feel like I've been wandering this forest for decades, years and years and, and years, Durf. But this place is strange. It's like time doesn't move the same. This moon is always out. It's, it's perpetually night. I don't know. I don't truly know when the days and the nights are and how long has passed. Curious. Curious. Or perhaps we are both caught in an eternal youth because we died. Shit. <laughs> but anyway, hell, let's go to the waterfall. That's my boy. And he stands up and he says, he puts his hand on your shoulder and he says, Durf, we're going to find a way out of this. I'm you have no idea how happy I am to see you and to know that you're here with me, but we're going to figure this out and we're going to go home. Okay. Sure. <laughs> you're so emotional in this moment. <laughs> uh, all right. And I think you guys just kind of turn on your heels and start walking. Start walking. Try, try to find that waterfall. Yep. Uh, and then the camera pans out and um, we'll bring Kirk in. All right, Kirk, I did the intro with Jamal, but here we go. Um, last time you played, uh, you guys went to this unseelie fey camp where you ran into a group of centaurs and minotaurs that were kind of in merriment, a lot of other strange creatures there, and you um, barged into the camp looking for Durf, basically looking for the mist, looking for the waterfall, more information on what the hell is going on and where you are. And you met this big centaur named Deacon, who kind of told you all about um, what's been going on. This strange, strange man in shadow that came uh, about a century ago to the forest and all sorts of strange things have been happening since then. She mentions the mist started up in random places and and they've only seen it a few times and it's kind of destroyed some of their their um strongholds i guess and the the moon started acting up and these beams came down and they were all over the place burning up the forest and she said that this man created a temple to himself at the top of the waterfall and that's where he resides and that's all the things you learned before um tess and carl kind of revealed that there were these totems that they were holding and deacon's demeanor changed and she wanted that power and so big battle broke out between you and and her and the minotaurs that were going on that were there. Um, and then the moonbeams started coming down amidst this battle after you guys have kind of defeated a couple of these minotaurs. The moonbeams came down and all sorts of people started fleeing. You heard the cries of Kurt and the snail and you got split up from the group when you took down Deacon with the sweet cable call move. And then all of a sudden this fiery bridge came crashing down on top of you. And just before you were falling unconscious, you saw a vision of this golden figure that you saw at the very beginning of this arc that led you down into this well. And as it reached out to you to grab your hand, you saw the figure change into your father and you passed out. So you wake up. Um, you don't know how much time has passed, but you wake up 
slumped against a tree and you kind of do that whole eyelid thing where you're opening your eyes, you open your eyes slowly and you look out and there is your dad. There's, there's a person who looks a lot like you, a little bit more gruff around the edges, um, maybe a couple inches taller, big bushy brown beard, kind of like torn up uh, clothes, small you know, leather armor, nothing really sophisticated. And he is stirring a pot over a big fire that has started just a few feet in front of you guys, like 10 feet in front of you. Um, maybe not the best. We've never established my dad's name, have we? Bosco is your dad's name. Bosco. Yeah. You, you would know that from the, because vi- you were just a babe when, uh, you, when your dad was in the picture. So you probably don't remember much of like his personality. What's he's, what he's like kind of thing. Your mom maybe told you about him. Um, what you, your memory is mostly based on the vision that the Archmage showed you. And in that vision, you heard, Durf's dad, Henry, Carl's dead, Carl, and Bosco. You heard them kind of call each other by name and roughhouse around and whatnot. So, okay. Glad to know that's established. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I guess the initial reaction would be exactly what you expect. Uh, dad? He, uh, he looks up, he jerks his head up real quick, and he turns towards you, kind of like still stirring the beans on the fire. And he says, <laughs> You're awake. Son, what the... You took a nasty fall there. A nasty fall? Am I dead? You're dead. Am I dead? No, no, no. And he kind of... He he brings the beans uh, from the fire. He brings whatever he's cooking over the fire, and he brings it over to you and kind of holds it out to you as he slowly lifts you to your feet. And he says, easy, 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 son. I am... As alive as can be. I'm standing here right in front of you. What the fuck? Where did you come from? Uh, that's, that's so much to unpackage. Um, I came from the living what? plane where people live. What? And you're super dead, I think. Son, I'm standing here right in front of you. Make a, make a perception check. 18. 18. Um, all right. You recognize him, obviously, as your father. Uh, he looks every bit of an actual person standing right in front of you. Another thing you you realize with an 18 is you um, remember the vision that the Archmage showed you. And the guy who's standing in front of you doesn't look a day older than the last time you saw him, which was on that deathbed in his house. Right before he kind of fell limp that you saw in the vision. Or he was already limp when you saw him. But when the curtain was kind of pulled over him, he didn't look any older than that moment. So Tug is kind of surveying uh, his dad Bosco's face. And um, kind of what you described as he's kind of like squinting and, you know, trying to sort this thing out mentally. Kind of makes that mental connection and realizes that... uh, no time seems to have passed since the the vision or the last time Tug saw his father to now. Um, and Tug starts backing away and he goes, um, <clears throat> so uh, I'm, you're not my dad. I, the last time I saw you was years ago and you haven't aged at all. And I don't mean that as a compliment. I mean that as 
that means you can't be real. So you're extremely reluctant at this point. Okay, cool. Um, and he kind of, you see him kind of uh, get a little, little emotional, a little like taken aback, like he hasn't seen his son in years, and this is the way that he's reacting. And so he kind of backs up a little bit, holding this this pot still in his hand. Um, and he says, son, I, I, I just saved your life. You were crushed under that burning bridge. I haven't seen you in years. I've been in this fucking nightmare of a place for God, how God knows how long, how old are you now? How old am I now? We said uh, like twenties, right? Yeah, Early twenties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We established that. Yep. Or however, <laughs> the twenties in halfling world, however, right. the halfling equivalent of in my twenties, dad. Shit. God, it's been, God, it's felt even longer than that since I've been here. I don't, son, I don't, I don't know what's, this place is so strange. It's, it's fucking crazy. Time, time doesn't work the same that it does in, in at home. You know, it's it's always nighttime here. The fucking the moon is out all the time. I, it doesn't turn to day to night. I don't know how long I've been here, but it feels like, feels like a decade. It feels like a century. But what? How did you get here? How is your mother? How are how are things? How, how can I get back with you? Is there a um a, a knowledge check or something to see if uh I can sense not knowledge, it wouldn't be knowledge, but uh can I sense if this figure, Bosco, whatever, mm-hmm. is lying or not? Yeah, that would be a inside check. Definitely inside check. Uh so that is a twelve. Okay. Um yeah, I don't think you sense that he's lying. I think you sense that he is flustered um obviously if this is your father he would have a whole lot of questions a whole lot of confusion as to why you're here um you can get the sense of that in his voice but you don't sense that he's lying you don't you don't feel any malintent in his voice um okay tug takes a couple steps back towards his father and is kind of in i don't want to say enchanted but is intrigued by the words spoken by the supposed Bosco. So if you saved me, how, how did you know I was here? How did you know I'm me? If you don't know how old I am or you haven't seen me grow up. Mm -hmm. Um, he kind of looks you up and down and he says, that's, that's a really hard question to answer. Tuck. I, and he kind of falls down to one knee, just kind of like crouching there exasperated by this flood of emotions that kind of filled him up. And he says, it's just something about your face. I, I kind of see myself in it. And, you know, I, we've been in this forest for so long. I saw you. I was drawn almost like I was drawn to you like a magnet. I just a few days ago, I felt your presence here. I felt some kind of familial relationship and I, came to this place and I've been pulled towards this place for several months now. But now that I'm here, I know why I was to find you. Well, <laughs> I, 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 I just, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't, I didn't really expect this. Uh, I've, you know, I've kind of lost. I mean, I guess if you're you, then we've lost everything 
Everything yeah. is gone. I think he uh, takes a couple steps towards you. Like he gets back up and he's like walking towards you again. Just kind of feeling out the situation. Uh, Tug doesn't move forward, doesn't move back. Um, his confidence in who um, who he's not convinced is his dad yet, but is gaining that confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't step back uh, and, and continues to explain um, that Woodhaven is, has been decimated. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone that they know who Tug would assume would be mutual contacts that they know is gone. Doesn't really, doesn't really touch on the fact that they're kind of turning and could mm-hmm. possibly redeemed. Just kind of leaves that off the side. Um, but kind of gives the, the, we'll say the quick and dirty of not the goal, but what has happened to Woodhaven and okay. things like that. So are you explaining that you came here with, to, uh, with uh, Durf and Carl? Correct. Bringing them into the story? Okay. Insert, well, also, uh, I'll candidate like this, like in search of a possible solution to the end of the world, but doesn't give mm-hmm. details about collecting the MacGuffins, wh- yeah. how, how far they've gotten, right. Felix, okay. anything like that. All right, cool. So you kind of lay this shit on him, all over him. And... um you guys are a few feet apart, and he just kind of slumps to the side and collides his back against a tree and slumps to the ground. And he says, Woodhaven, the your mother, the leaky toad, they're all gone. What the fuck? How long have I been here? Um, And Tug would know how many years his dad supposedly died, correct? Yeah, it's like, been... I mean, I've, that's something that I would just know. Sure, the number of years you've basically Correct. been alive since you were a baby. So yeah, for sure. So so, so Tug rips off that number, and you know it's it's <laughs> Tug says this is how many years you've been dead to me. Mm-hmm. To says, to the ones you know yeah. and love, this is how long you've been dead. Sure. And uh, um, <coughs> he kind of shakes his head and he says. God damn it. How do we even get to this place? I I came here with Henry and Carl, Durf and Carl's father. We we came here together. I, the last thing I remember was laying on I what I thought was my deathbed. Everything you explained and I fell into a deep sleep and I woke up here and this place has just been transforming me. I've I've fallen asleep and gone unconscious only to wake up in other places. I've been constantly being felt pulled to pulled to this place over the past couple months and and now you're here and I hear of this and the world and how this is a nightmare Doug this is just a nightmare it's 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 worse than that because you can wake up from nightmares and we are in it we are in it and it is real and I don't really know what to do anymore I'm trying my best out here but like what's what's left after this for me? What's left after this for you? Like I don't even know how to get you back. As far as I'm concerned, I'm about to lose you again. Uh, you know, so a dad I I barely knew is going to enter and rapidly remove itself from my life. I have no understanding of where I am. I have no understanding of how to get out. As far as I'm concerned, you just saved me. So I guess I'm alive for now. It's looking bleak. 
oh man, this is looking real bleak. And uh, I think hearing these words from his own son kind of sparks something in him. Um, just hearing, hearing your kind of like half uh, glass, half empty attitude um, and just thinking of that in himself and, and that he doesn't want that for his son. He just just saw him again. And to him, this is a moment of like rejuvenation. And he he pities himself for a moment, but then he gets up after hearing your words and he, he reaches over and he kind of brings a hand up to your shoulder. And he says, Tug, I'm, I'm here. You're not going to lose me again. And I'm not going to lose you. We got to get out of this. Where, where are your friends? Where are Durf and Carl? I don't, I don't know the answer to that. They are what I call the, well, they're in the upside down, which is where we got to going through this. Well, I'm not going to go into those details, which was from where we're from. So I guess like we're like two levels under the upside. I have no idea. I have no clue. Um, okay. And at those words, give me a perception check. An eight. An eight. Okay. You hear, um, you hear uh, the screech of an animal. You have no idea what it is, but it's an unnatural sound uh, that clearly breaks this tension and this silence in the moment with your dad. But you don't know what it is or where it's coming from. And your dad kind of perks up too, like looking around. Bosco does. So have you ever heard that noise before? Because no. I haven't. No, there's some there's some fucked up shit in this forest, but I've I've never heard anything like that. That sounded like a. Hang on, let me roll a perception check. A natural one. That sounded like a. Actually, I think a natural one. He kind of almost shakes it off. He's like, "There's there's crazy stuff in this forest. They make noise like that all the time." Well, so if okay, so if that's uh, so. <clears throat> Uh, well, man, I definitely heard something. And if that's the norm around here, I think we should at least be on our guard while we figure out how to get us both out of here. How to get us both out of here. Honestly, I know you're cooking up beans right now. Not super hungry. Not really wanting to be around you. Like our first experience being you eating them beans and farting a whole bunch. <laughs> so maybe we can set those down and maybe we can work together to get the fuck out of here. Uh, because I don't know where I'm at. I don't know how I got here. And the only thing I do know is you brought me here, which means you might know a little bit more about getting out than I do. Uh, he kind of slap slaps his hand against your back a little hard and he tosses the beans back into the fire and they just kind of burst against the flames. And he says, that's my boy. Let's get the fuck out of here. Let's find a way home. So quick side pause. If I learned all my, canonically all my uh, monk background from working in the bar without my father what do I I wouldn't know what his skill set is would I Uh, no you wouldn't now you you kind of picked up in your childhood that you had this natural ability to fight Uh, this natural monk ability you picked it up very very quickly Um, so you may have you know it may just be in your DNA uh, but you're not you're not sure. You don't know what he's all about. Okay. He's cool. obviously survived in this forest for this long uh, on his own. So he's got to have some skills. Totally makes sense. I just wanted to make sure that I wouldn't know that, you know, 
I fuck. He might be like a, a ranger or, you know a what I mean? Wizard. Like something like that. Like, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Um, sure. Okay, cool. Um, all right. So yeah, I think you guys just kind of like fuck the beans and you start walking just someplace to try to fuck the beans. Hashtag fuck the beans. That's right. And, um, you walk for a short while and give me another perception check. Uh, that is a 15. Okay. This time the noise you hear is louder and it's coming from the North and it is a noise you recognize. Um, you hear the loud and angry whinnying of Mr. Boomsday. Um, Tug immediately stops and like grabs his, uh, whom he is starting to believe is his father by like the front chest cloak, Mm -hmm. uh, front of his plate armor, whatever, or leather armor. I, I know that noise. We need to head towards that noise right now. And Tug immediately diverts directly to that noise and starts doing the, the whistle that he would do to grab Boomsday's attention. Okay, okay. Um, and yeah, Bosco follows right after you, hot on your heels. And you break through the trees as you're making this whistle, um, but you stop your whistle just before it hits your lips because of what you see. And you look out before you to this clearing. And in this clearing, not too far off from where your dad was, maybe a half mile, from where that was, you see another huge bonfire in the center of this clearing, trees all around, two giant willows on either side where you see these massive, massive humanoids slumped up against them, picking their teeth with bones. They are just pure muscle, 20 feet tall, both male with one giant eye on their face, bald, They've got loincloths and just scaly skin going all up and down their legs, scaly tan skin. And you are looking at the campsite of a pair of cyclops that are simply just sitting there, relaxing, waiting for the fire to get hot enough to enjoy their meal, where you look off to the left and you see Boomsday, Rosa, and Vern tied tight to a nearby tree just a mere 10 feet off from one of the cyclops
everybody, this is Joe, your Dungeon Master. Thank you so much for listening to episode 46. Just a little disclaimer in case you hear something in this mid-roll. Um, I got a little bit of lisp going on because I knocked out a tooth this weekend. So uh, hoping to get that fixed pretty soon, at least before our next recording, so you don't have to hear it too often. But in this mid-roll, that's what's going on with me right now. So anyway, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. We are happy to have you for these, these last few episodes of the Shade Arc. I hope you're enjoying it. I know I am. I'm excited to wear this is going to take us. But uh, anyway, enough about me. I want to give a special shout out to a book I've been reading called Intent and Intentions and All the Powers That Be. This is by author Thad Hawley. Trell, a hapless soul, bittered and hollowed by his own existence, unexpectedly, unexpectedly discovers a purpose and finds himself thrust headlong into the known world, ushered along by the most reverent accepted of the White Tower. Trell embarks on a perilous quest into the callous and unwelcoming world beyond the valley, a world filled with menacing orcs and cunning bards, scheming goblins and clever treelops, and behind it all, an indifferent nature cracking at the seams. In a time of obscure lore and guarded secrets, how can one so simple hope to comprehend so much? How could anyone balance that narrow margin between the intent and intentions and all the powers that be? So that's a little synopsis of the book. I have been reading it. I'm not finished yet, but um, it's been a, a thrill of a, of a ride to read, I tell you. It's a really good, solid fantasy book. If you're into the fantasy novel series, if you've read Lord of the Rings, if you've done all that kind of stuff uh this fits right in with that um it's got almost five stars on amazon and goodreads uh, a ton of people have been reading it and a ton of people have been really enjoying it um it's refreshing there's great characters there's it's a great story in a beautiful setting he really uh dives in deep with the descriptive language and kind of you get immersed within the book uh by reading it so go check it out again the author is that holly and the book is intent and intentions and all the powers that be also want to give a special shout out to our patrons, our people. These are people that submit uh, money to the show. They donate to the show to help us keep going, help us convince our wives this is worth it, help us, uh, you know, get new equipment and continue paying the hosting fees and the music fees and all that kind of stuff that comes along with doing one of these podcasts. So uh, we really, really appreciate it that you guys are, are willing to, you know, donate your hard earned money, even just a dollar a month. So thank you guys so much for all your continued support. Um, if you want to be a patron, you can go on to patreon.com slash YMIA Tavern. So these are patrons that give at least $15 a month. They get a special shout out uh, in the mid-roll, and you might have heard some of their names actually in the show itself. So here we go. Dash Cole, Andre K, Jello Crew, Kurt Nolan, Tarkin Davis, Sierra Clark, Jason Ford, Jonathan Zeman, Michael Kenitzer, GM Binder, Max Bender, Holly Roxana, Ice Blue 220, Strive for Honor, Eleanor Fitchett, Sarah Blue, Mark Deacon, Crispy Bacon, Dr. Shit Fun Crew, Cash Register, and Wilma Fingerdew. And John Dalstrom. So thank you guys so much for your donations to the show. Your continued support means a whole lot. Um, thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Enjoy the rest of episode 46. We'll see you in a couple weeks, hopefully, if I get this tooth thing figured out. And uh, uh, enjoy the rest of your week. All right. Bye, everybody.
Durf, you and Henry, you and your dad, are kind of wandering through this forest, uh, being pulled in, in the direction by Henry. Um, like he said, that he was just feeling naturally pulled towards the waterfall, so he's kind of leading the way. When Roll a perception check. My alleged dad. Mm-hmm. Correct. <laughs> That's exactly what I feel, by the way. <laughs> 18. <laughs> 18, okay, when suddenly the two of you stop dead in your tracks because off to the east, you hear this sound, this screech of what it sounds like a bird. And upon thinking about it more and and listening to the sound and your natural ability as a druid to understand animal sounds, you realize that it is the sound of Rosa. What remind me in like uh, not as a druid in character, but just like as me. What is what does yep. Rosa sound like? <laughs> uh, uh, I think Rosa sound as like. Um, Durf says Rosa. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> is she? Uh, d- does she sound distressed? Extremely distressed. Yes, it, that was that noise. That's not her normal squawk. Yes, of That's course. That's her dis- I, distressed. I, 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 as a druid, already knew that, but I was testing you guys. Um, right. What uh, <laughs> is she nearby? Uh, sounds like it's pretty close. Not not far from where you are now. Wait, did Rosa come down the well? Not the well. No, but. She was there. She was following you guys. You brought her into shade, into the forest. Interesting. Interesting. Durf's like, well, I hope she didn't die like I did when I fell down that well. Uh, and Durf, Durf heads quickly, but cautiously toward the sound. Okay. And says, and, um, and says to his dad, it's, this is my pet bird horse. <laughs> All right, and Henry's like, uh, oh, oh, okay, a, a bird horse hippogriff sounds right. Yeah, hi- a hippogriff, a bird. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you, it sounds like it would be very helpful. Um, so you guys rush through the forest uh, towards this noise, and you break through to see a clearing before you, and you stop dead in your tracks because what you see in this clearing are two giant creatures two hulking 20 foot tall massive humanoids with one eye each and they wear loincloth and scaly skin and they are surrounding a giant bonfire where off to the right you see rosa and boomsday and Vern tied up to a tree um tight against this tree and give me another perception check as you're scanning the area 19 Damn. Okay. Across this clearing, across this hundred foot clearing, maybe you spot two sets of eyes also scanning the area. And with a 19, I think you recognize one of them as tug. And the other one is a tug like being a tug like is that's all you can kind of see. But someone who looks similar to tug, maybe a little bit older, but tug is not alone probably his fake dad dun dun dun. (laughs) and kirk is with us too uh well how are the how are the beasts bound um they are bound by thick thick frayed rope right now 
currently on the tree on the eastern side of camp where you are, west side of camp where Tug is, and the two giant cyclops are basically leaned against two giant willows on either side of the clearing, close to the fire, where they're picking their teeth with some bones. Let's see. Do I have any wild shapes? <clears throat> I do have t- one. One left? Um, Durf. And actually, uh, Tug, give me a perception check, too. See if you actually notice Durf on the other side. 14. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think you noticed shapes on the other side that are coming out of the forest. I don't know if you know it's Durf yet, um, but you noticed some shapes for sure. So either one of you can act here. So, so what's his name? My dad's, my dad, scare quotes, yeah. is also a druid. Correct. Right? Yeah. I think you, okay. Well, you're, you so said, Durf? you said that your mom never told you about him or was that kind of like a ruse? I can't remember if I'm going to make a continuity error here if I answer that question. I mean, you, so you answered you answered <laughs> Henry, you answered your dad uh, that she didn't, and he was kind of taken aback by that. But it, was that a lie or was that truth? I don't think you're going to mess anything up in previous episodes if that's what you're worried about. Was I just mistaken? I think I was just mistaken. I think I was taken aback yeah. and mistaken. Because I think you've got a couple options here. I think you could say maybe your mom wanted to withhold that information to not like make you feel like he abandoned you. Or maybe she did want you to know all about him. I mean, that's up to you and your backstory. I think Durf always thought he was abandoned. Okay. Um... And is that what he thought? That kind of makes his mom look like an asshole. (laughs) Well, she might have been doing it for what she thought was your benefit. Because he died of a curse. Right. Which may have been hereditary. I think Durf, 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 Durf thought he was abandoned. Okay. So you may or may not know. Maybe maybe he even just, he just assumed. His mom didn't really like to talk about it. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. And he just assumed he was abandoned, and he's he's working through some things right now. Yeah, so I don't think Durf would necessarily know what kind of class his dad was. Other, okay, yeah. well, so so then Durf gives his dad a look in the eyes, mm-hmm. points to his eyes with two of his fingers, and points to the ground like "Stay here." Okay, he nods slowly, and then he and then he turns into a weasel. The okay. dad or you? <laughs> I turn into a weasel. Durf turns into a weasel. Okay, Crystal. and you you look up at your dad, and he gives you the biggest smile as he sees that you have these abilities. Cool, cool. And I think what he does next is you see his form change, and he becomes a weasel, almost identical to you. Durf shrugs his little weasel shoulders, kind of nods. And then starts creeping over towards the animals. All right, and he definitely follows you. He does not stay put. He's not losing you again. Um, Tuck, you see these two weasels, one with Durf's clothing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I saw them yeah, transform, you definitely right? Did. Yep. And you see them waltz towards okay. the uh, the beasts. So I see them moving towards the beasts. Yep. So myself and the rapport I have built up with Durf, I think he's going to make the objectively correct choice and free the beasts. Um, 
So Tug turns to his dad. Um, uh, so old man, you feeling agile today or what? Need to stretch? Because we've got work to do. And he pounds his fists together and he says, let's do this. So uh, Tug, without any anything else, darts to the opposite side of this clearing across from where the... Um, uh, mounts are being held mm-hmm. or, yep. yeah, or, or tied up. And uh, Tug begins to really like violently rustle trees and like stomp mm-hmm. around and make a lot of noise, um, getting ready to st- try and stealthily creep away once or if they get the Cyclops' attention. Okay. So this is happening at the same time. So, um, I think you go over and, you know, Bosco sees what you're doing and you guys are stomping against trees, breaking sticks, making a whole bunch of noise on the side of the camp. And that gets the Cyclops' attention. And they kind of like, they get up from their their slouched position. They start looking over there. And Durf, why don't you roll, uh, and I'll make Henry roll this too, roll a stealth check, but you could do it with advantage because of Kirk's action, because of Tug and Bosco's action. Weasels have plus five stealth. BTW. Sweet. That'll, that's helpful. All right. Uh, 23. Okay. I rolled a 17. We'll just roll for the Cyclops passive perception. Their passive perception is not that big, and they're not really looking over there. So I'd say you sneak past them no problem, and you make it over to where the three are being held. But the Cyclops are up in their position and they are trouncing, shaking the trees around you. They're grad. They grab their giant great clubs that were leaned up against the trees and they are walking over towards you, tug and Bosco. Um, so tug recognizing that, uh, he, you know, that they got their, the, the Cyclops attention tug does, uh, some hand signals. And he go, and he kind of just like points at a tug points at himself and points like one way around the clearing, and points at uh, Bosco and kind of like arcs his hand around like you go around that way, essentially trying to signify like sneak around and reconvene at the mounts. Okay, sweet is is the the message tug is trying to get across. Okay, yeah, give me uh, we'll have you both give me stealth checks then. So mine is a twenty seven. Holy fuck. 19 plus 8, baby! And his is a 11. So you are able to just stealthily, you dip under leaves. You're not making a single sound. You're not crunching a single leaf. Um, Your father is not as lucky. He's a little bit more uh, strength heavy as opposed to dex heavy, I'll say. And he falls over a root. And one of the Cyclops turns and sees him and lifts his great club up and charges and let's all roll initiative do i roll with advantage i guess yeah because you make me wear clothes yeah you got your cloak yep tug is an 11 okay 14 so up first is the cyclops it's going to try to come down on bosco with this great club it's a plus nine to hit Hooray. Rolls a four plus nine is 13, which does not hit. 
So, this um, great club comes slamming down to the ground, just poof, crushes the soil around, creates this giant divot in the ground as the Cyclops heaves it downward, and Bosco simply just rolls to the left, just missing the attack. And Durf, you hear this slam down across the clearing, but you are right there by the ropes where the three beasts are. Um, what are you going to do? Durf, Durf is frantically chewing through ropes. Okay, give me a uh, chew check. What's that? A bi- uh, strength, maybe? Well, Hashtag chew a- check! Just a bite attack. You got a bite attack, right? Well, that would do 1d1. Against the rope? Yeah, or, you know what? Okay, Durf sees that the shit is going to pot. Uh, untransforms and starts chopping through the rope with a there dagger. There we go. All right. Uh, so you, <laughs> you untransform and the beasts start going ballistic. They are screeching and stomping and straining against this rope as, as you try to cut it. And this gathers the attention of the second Cyclops who whips around and sees you across the fire. And give me a, just give me a dagger attack roll on the rope and I'll set some damage for the rope I'll say there's three strands of it kind of wrapped around so you're gonna have to break through all three and we'll say each one has like 10 HP uh, okay I'm gonna I'm gonna spend the entire fight cutting through rope if they each have 10 HP <laughs> alright they each have uh, 5 <laughs> HP <laughs> it's 1d4 is what the dagger does Plus, yeah but, but how, how, much, how many dabs did you do <laughs> <laughs> um well, okay. My first roll is a ten. Yeah, I don't think you need to make an attack roll. You're like, cut, okay. you're cutting rope. <laughs> yeah, you're not stabbing so, it. So should I roll? Yeah, just roll the damage. Three. All right. So you cut. Do you I get start, a modifier on that? Uh, you should have strength. They're dex, dex for a dagger. Dex. Okay, then six. Okay, so you rip through the first bit of rope and it snaps, and the beasts loosen slightly. And Tug, you're up next. Tug uh, immediately chases towards uh, where the Cyclops are going, which he knows are his Mm -hmm. father. So um, he moves that way. I'm assuming the Cyclops are pretty big. Am I within 50 feet of them? Yeah, you're within 50 feet of both of them. Uh, Each are like 20 feet tall. They're fucking huge. Uh, Tug cable calls uh on one of the cyclops like targets the cable call and fires the cable call onto one of the the rearest cyclops's back mm-hmm. and like cable calls into battle and tries to uh like do uh kind of a missile drop kick with the grappling motion okay so is this sense. the one attacking your dad or the other one uh that seems to make sense yeah let's do that okay so um i know a cable call is the is that still two attacks two feet or how are we doing that uh, yeah, you can you could do it however you want. You got two unarmed strikes, right? Yep. Or you've got three because you've got two actions, and or one action was a cable call. All right, gotcha. So you yeah, got a second. That, yeah, that's yep. how I was counting that. That's cool. Okay. Attack and a bonus. Yep. So we've got a fifteen. Okay. And the other one is a sixteen. Both will hit. Wow, seven and an eight on my D eight. So that's fifteen plus ten, twenty-five damage. Fuck nice. Alright, so what does the attack look like? It's literally like a cable call into the uh nape of the Cyclops. And as he's pulling closer, it's just two feet just donkey kicking into the back in between the Cyclops shoulder blades and hopefully knocking him uh knocking him down. Knocking him down with the cable call. I'm going to give him a strength save. He's pretty big, big dude. Uh, he rolls a 15. 
I think that would pass any. Well, you, what did you roll on your attack? Uh, they were 15 and 16. Okay, um, I'll give it to you. Because the 15 is kind of low for him. He's got a plus six strength. So you, uh, with the the extension of this cable call that kind of pulls you forward like a slingshot, you kick into this cyclops and your feet collide right in between his shoulder blades and he kind of lifts up from this strike down onto on Bosco and he arches his back and his shoulders go back and he goes into the sky and he lifts his great club up and then he falls to his knees and then falls and it hits the ground, his face first with a slam. Um, and he is in the dirt. He's not dead, but he is uh, pretty injured by that hit. The second Cyclops is going to rush across the clearing towards Durf and get about halfway. So he's right about where the fire is. And Henry's up. And Henry sees the Cyclops rushing towards his son. And he detransforms from this weasel and puts his back up against Durf's as Durf is cutting through. And he lifts his hands up and they glow with a white light and this moonbeam comes slamming down, surrounding the fire and surrounding the Cyclops. Yeah. And the Cyclops has to make a deck save. And that's a two. So he is going to do a total of 46 damage as this moonbeam comes slamming down uh, above this Cyclops surrounding him and surrounding the fire and you can see the Cyclops kind of like scratch at its shoulders as it's being burnt by this incredible beam of light that came and just enveloped it completely and uh, Bosco's up now and he's going to turn and see Tug kind of come and slamming down on the Cyclops and he rushes up Tug and he reaches out a hand to you and he says Let's get the fuck out of here. Uh, so is it back to me? Are we out of initiative or are we just, is this like a deferring to my action? Um, Explain to me is, how this is working. It, he's just calling out to you. Let's just say this is a free action. You guys are talking. You can you can hop out of initiative real quick just to do something, but it'll be on Bosco's turn. So uh, Tug shoots a glance to see if uh, the animals are free yet, uh, which it doesn't sound like they have been. Nope. They are not. Um, and and t- Tug, <clears throat> once he realizes that the that they don't actually have a true escape route, uh, does the the like nod dog like hand hand across the neck like we aren't leaving yet, uh, like kind of like we still got work to do. We we don't have a way out, and that's kind of the reaction that Tug has to that sentiment. All right, sweet. So he sees this, and he kind of gives you a smirk, and then he lifts up a foot and stomps it down on top of the sky Cyclops' neck. Uh, rolling a natural 20. <laughs> Bosco, uh, baby! <laughs> so um, <clears throat> you hear a snap as Bosco, with uh, a massive boot, does 25 damage to this Cyclops. And you hear the Cyclops groan, and he turns, and I need you both to make a strength save as you are currently on its back. Uh, seven for Tug. Seven for Tug. Uh, that's a 12 for Bosco. 
Um, you are thrown backwards into the dirt about 10 feet away from the Cyclops where you come to a screeching halt. You don't take any damage, um, but you are thrown out of the melee range of this Cyclops, and so is Bosco with you. And the Cyclops turns towards you, and it is going to swipe down at both of you with its great, uh, great club. Rolling a 28 and a 14. So... One um, hits, or for Tug, one hits. Yeah, one hit. So it's going to swing left and right. Uh, the first one, well, the 28 definitely hits both of you, and you both are going to take 26 bludgeoning damage. And you're back to full health from when you were unconscious earlier. Well, that's good, because otherwise I would have perished. Yeah. So this great club slams against you and throws you another 10 feet off to the side where you fall to the ground just enough where the second great club attack just slides right over your bodies, your injured bodies. And Durf, you're up. Okay. So I've only cut through one of these strands. Yeah. Okay. Durf has a flash of insight. Okay. And uses produce flame and catches the rope on fire. Fuck yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> just roll damage. It's 1d8. Plus anything? It's fire. I don't know. Add your uh, wisdom modifier. Okay. So that's then... Uh, what's my wisdom modifier? Five? Nine. Nine? Yeah. So you needed ten to cut through the ropes. But the flame quickly burns up one of them and just leaves the tiniest fray of rope on the second one. And Boomsday bursts its wings out and snaps the rest of the rope and the three beasts are free. Yeet. Uh, Durf uses a... Ah, can I use a bonus action to hop on uh, Rosa? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Durf uses a bonus action to hop on Rosa. Okay. And Durf, as you do that, as you hop on Rosa and these beasts are free, you look around you and something familiar begins to creep its way around the camp. Starting from the very outsides, Tug, you and Bosco, as you are injured and kind of are lifting up from the ground, you see it too. And you see this thin gray mist start to creep around the radius of the camp. And it's creeping in and enclosing the camp uh, pretty quickly. And um, yeah, you can still use your movement if you want. Go ahead. Can I, like, I'm trying to think. So Boomsday knows. Well, Durf can talk to all the animals. Yeah. Naturally. Yeah. Um, is the mist, does the mist go like, how high up does the mist Not go? Not very far high up. Maybe like two or three feet off the ground. Okay. Uh, Durf yells, we need to get the fuck out of here. Mm -hmm. uh, he moves on Rosa. How far away is his dad? Uh, just a few feet behind you. Not far at all. Okay. Grabs him, throws him up on Rosa. Okay. And uh, yells for Boomsday and Vern to go snatch up uh, Tug and Tug's dad. Tug's dad, Bosco. Okay, yeah, and they listen to you right away. You're a druid. They know you. Um, Boomsday was kind of already headed for Tug. Just immediately as it burst free, he was already headed for Tug. And Tug, you're actually up next, and you see Boomsday and Rosa start flying towards you as you guys are just kind of lifting up from the ground, watching this Cyclops above you get ready for its next strike. Well, it's Boomsday and uh, Vern. Vern. Boomsday and Vern, right, yep. How far away is Boomsday? Uh, just a few feet. I mean, it's, he's, we'll say he's right on top of you. He's going to be right on top of you by the time you're, you're up. 
He is, he's a perfect timing amount of feet away. Exactly. <laughs> Tug is going to immediately swing on Boomsday, swing on top of Boomsday, and then use the cable call to shoot at Bosco. Mm-hmm. And since Tug plus Boomsday weight is more than Bosco weight, um, I'm, I'm going to drag him towards Boomsday so we can get out of there. <laughs> so, awesome. So he's just kind of like hanging on the cable call behind you guys? Like near Yeah, skiing. I'm assuming it pulls in a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so he's just sure. not like dying behind Boomsday. <laughs> okay, yeah. But yeah, he's getting yeah, up. Something like that. You reach your hand up and snag on Boomsday's neck and kind of pull yourself up, pushing the cable call out towards him where he grabs it. Just as the Cyclops brings another great club down on top of this space, the moonbeam dissipates but the mist is constantly surrounding this camp and can creeping ever ever closer to the cyclops and you watch these hands start to reach out towards the cyclops and they grab these these giants legs and bring them to the ground and they start to pull them in as the mist surrounds the fire and finally envelops that and as you guys are soaring up and away from this give me perception checks 18 for tug 13. All right, so um, Tug, as you all soar upwards and you watch the camp, you watch this clearing become surrounded by this mist, something sparks in your memory as you're watching this scene unfold, as you see this mist covering the soil around the camp, and you cannot help but feel like you've seen this before because the mist is very similar to what you would see when you guys would adventure out into the misty wood at night under the moon. And as you break through the trees, as you break through the canopy of the trees, escaping this mist, the moon is shining extremely bright in the sky and the moonbeams have stopped, but you look out to see the waterfall as close as it's been yet. And shining in the moonlight is a temple. And as you're looking at this temple, you recognize immediately that it is the same temple that was in the Misty Wood, the Temple of Pelor. Yo, are these are these guys really our dads or what, Tens? <laughs> uh, I don't believe in shit. There, we've had way too many, uh, uh, it's a really good thing. You see a really good, cool thing that you like a lot, monster. And last but not least, I want to give a special shout out to our $5 or more patrons, Team Eugene, Metal Minister, Joshua Gibson, 8-Bit Wizard, James J.C. Aklantz, Uncles with Benefits. I'm just saying... Daniel Miles, I don't know why I did that, Jaeger, Eric Sinat, Joshua McKee, Ed Sedal, Petey, Jason Colliver, James Wynn, William Martin, Pete Achilles, Andrew Fontenot, Fantastic, John C. Davies, Michael Schuler, Ray Lang, Ursula Bertea, William Cornish, Adair Bristow, Cody Irwin, Lady Magesire, Shepard Tiberius, Anderson Martins, Jimmy the Penguin, Austin Pence, Derek Norman, Tim Searle, Liquor Locker, Kensworth Slater, Ryan Corbin, Torben Schwarz, J.J. Holler, Chris Harrison, 
Tucker Barkley, Pat Menads, Seth M. Harrison, Kevin DeHart, Thomas Sanchez, Matthew Watson, Kevin Goslowski, Jesse Jones, David Barron, Dan McStockerson, Jason Rittman, Joshua Mutzinger, Nicole Chapin, Ian Coughling, William Martin, again, man, do we have two William Martin patrons? That's dope. Uh, Dice Quest Podcast, a.k.a. Jack, Wolf Green Stormstrider, NPC, nice. Vitaly Vasilyuk and Adam Hoffling. A lot of names, a lot of awesome people. Thank you all so much for the support. If you want to get your name added to this list or just support the show in any way, go on to patreon.com slash YMIA Tavern. Peace out.